So this morning, I want to ask um, JP to come to the stage. We're going to pray with him. Um, this will not be the first time I think that JP preaches, but it will be the first time that he's doing it here. Um, and God is busy with us equipping. Um, he's busy with us growing. Uh, he's busy with us doing new things. But but I can promise you that that JP's old soul in the in God and in, in the Spirit is something to to something to behold because it's God speaking. And I spent some time with JP also in the week. But the, from the first time I met him. Um, I knew that he was older than me in spirit, but he's a, he's a lot younger than me right now. Um, but let's stretch our, our, our hands and let's ask God to bless him as well and what he has prepared for us to receive. Thank you, Father God, that you bless my brother. Uh, you've kept him uh, quiet for so long, Lord. It's time to let loose what you've placed in his mouth and in his spirit and in his heart. Thank you for just everything that you have prepared him for so that you prepared us for it. Thank you that we receive Jesus uh, through your scriptures and through your truth in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. And so um, I love JP because he allows me to speak a lot when we're together. Uh, he like, sort of keeps quiet and then he lets me do all the talking. And that's why I like him so much. Uh, but also that JP is not afraid to uh, taste things with me. Um, and to place the Word of God in front of people and leadership and things. And I really do honor you uh, as a brother, um, as a fellow uh, lover of Jesus and worshiper of heart. Um, but um, enjoy it fully this morning. Thank you so much. Just give him a hand. Morning, everyone. Such a privilege to be in this, this position. And... Um, yeah, it, it's not every day that this happens, so uh, just bear with me. Um, but thanks, Marinas. Thanks, Harald. Um, yeah, so maybe just to, to start off a bit, my personal journey with worship um, started 18, 19 years ago when God really placed um, something on my heart to start playing guitar. Um, but for me, it was way deeper than that. It was completely something else. And actually, I only started playing in the band about three years ago. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that God had to settle in my heart first about what worship actually is. And I think sometimes when we talk about the word of worship, we think just this. But it's so much more than that. And um, I think Marina's touched on it this morning. When we, when we share what the Lord is doing in our hearts, it's not out of a place of perfection where we've nailed everything um, it's really a work in progress um, where God is revealing stuff in our lives um, and giving us the responsibility to come and share congregationally and really trust that what God is doing in us, He will do in you as well. Um, because ultimately, the body is not made up of individuals. It's really the glorious bride coming together um, congregationally and, and being out in, in the world. Um, so currently, my worship uh, probably doesn't look like your, your worship with three kids running around in a house. It's, it's quite chaotic. Um, but the Lord has blessed us with Elijah, which rises quite early in the morning. Um, I like to sleep. Uh, and um, 
Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting because for a, a period in time, I really battled with the Lord. I was almost like irritated with my kid rising early in the morning because I want to sleep. And that's when he started to realize, okay, the Lord has to do something in my heart. Um, and then he, he just said to me, listen, I know it's not the way that you used to do it, but you can spend that time with me. The chaos can happen around you, but you can spend time in my word. You can spend time in worship, even if it's breaking your mold a bit. There will be a season again where it will be only me, but for now, this is how it looks. And even traveling with, with Rudolf to Zambia, um, church is done differently. Um, logistically, it looks different. And I'm not comparing and saying how we do it is wrong, but really just how God tasted my heart again last weekend. Um, we arrived for church a bit late on Sunday because logistically we had to travel all over the place um, for people to actually just get to church. Um, and upon arrival, there was a guitar. Um, the strings are so old, it doesn't keep in tune anymore. I didn't have a pick to play with. We didn't have songs. We didn't prepare. But when we started to worship, God was there. And I'm not saying preparation and serving in excellence is, is the wrong thing to do. Our church works differently than theirs currently. Um, but the presence of God was felt and people worshipped. No matter the fact that it wasn't perfect according to the way we used to it. Um, so I really want to challenge you today. We're going in deep. Um, I am a deep soul. Um, even my praise looks like worship. Um, so that's my context. That's the way I do stuff. Um, but I'm really excited to share with you this morning. Um, so we're going back to the Old Testament for this. And not even Psalms. I'm not going to really touch on Psalms um, for the start. Um, because the concept of worship actually starts way back in Genesis. Um, so I want us to read Genesis 22 from verse 1 to 5. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abram rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abram lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And this is where it gets real. And Abram said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go in yonder and worship. And we will come back to you. Um, now, this is such an amazing scripture because our context of worship is not what is depicted here. Okay, worship for us is people singing. Um, but it's quite interesting. So that, that word worship there is actually the, the Hebrew word shakar, which means to bow self down. Now, that is not the first time it appears there's just uh, previously when, when um, in, in Genesis 18, when the angels arrived to tell Abram, listen, be patient. Isaac is the one. He's coming. He bowed down before them. This is the first time that it's actually translated as worship. And that really shook my heart because um, 
ultimately this is about sacrifice. We tend to look at this as the picture of faith, um, obviously which it is later on. Um, but God called him first to come and actually come and sacrifice. Um, so the few things I want to highlight out of the scripture is um, for us to really cultivate an environment where worship can flourish, we need to understand there's a calling from God. He called Abram, said, come. Then there's the response. How Abram responded was, here I am, Lord. What now? And then the Lord actually said to him, listen, I want you to go and offer your son. That son he waited for 100 years, right? Almost 100 years. Um, that was the promised child. Um, he had a firstborn. And God said, that is not the one. Don't make different plans to what I have for you. I said, Isaac is coming. Um, and God really tested his heart in the sense to say, are you willing to come and sacrifice your promise, the blessing? What is the stuff in your life that God has promised you that is not fulfilled yet? Or maybe it's being fulfilled now and God is saying, give it up. Are you willing to go to that place of sacrifice where you're actually willing to go and lay it down again? Um, and God is really testing Abram's ability to serve him and him alone because he's asking him to actually bring it as a burnt offering, which at that time uh, was pagan worship. Um, God didn't, I mean, later the law came um, and said, listen, I don't, that human sacrifice is not, not the thing that you do to me. Um, but God was really testing Abram in the sense to say, are you serving me and me alone? Um, and that, that um, picture to bow down, um, that is act of worship. We press down as we behold the Father in his glory. He's inviting us into relationship. But there's something I need to leave at the door. I don't exist in that environment. It, it can only be God. Um, and for me, it's just amazing then, then later when he says to them, um, we will come back to you. And that is the faith aspect for me. That is really where you go and sacrifice. Um, and the Lord is faithful. Whenever we truly worship him, he is faithful. He knows that you have needs. When you come into his presence, he knows that already. Um, and I think Belinda addressed it so beautifully to say, um, God doesn't really care whether you're angry, whether you're sad, whether you're happy when you come and worship him. It's about really coming close to him because you have needs and it is real. But can you leave that first and really come and worship God for who he is and not for what he's going to give you? Um, and that is ultimately the promise. Um, our sacrifice and our faith is always met with God's faithfulness and provision. Um, Then we're moving on to a place of intimacy and praise and worship. Um, now, for me, praise is like the icebreaker. <laughs> um, again, there's a lot of people in this room that's a lot better with praise than I am. Um, but ultimately, the, God is calling us so much deeper than just that praise. And I'm not, not diminishing the role of praise. I mean, the Bible is very, very clear on the role of praise. We need to enter His gates with thanksgiving and praise right? Um, Marinus also explained the tabernacle and how it was set up for a place where sacrifice and worship can happen. Now those gates at the start, we enter that with thanksgiving and praise. We give the praise that's, 
due to his name because he is faithful, he is good, he is in control. Um, but the inner sanctuary, that's where God's presence was at. And that is where we want as a church to end up at. We don't want to stay on the fringes. Guys, there's so much more to God. Um, we are just literally skimming the surface at this stage. Um, and we are really trusting that God will teach us how to go deeper with him. Um, in the old times, they appointed a praise singer. So if the king came to a region, the praise singers will go out into the whole region and start just proclaiming stuff about this king, what he's done, the battles he's won. So if, I, uh, if we do ele elections, there's praise singers with buckies and t-shirts and big speakers just proclaiming what these people will do for you, right? Um, but for me, that praise singer needs to be told what he needs to say. There's not a deeper level of knowledge of who this king is because that praise singer is not in close relations with the king. So that's why I'm saying this is just the icebreaker. We really want to go deep. And the only way you can worship is you worship what you know. Um, I want to read us Job 42 verse 5. I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Now, those of you who are familiar with Job's story, um, he got knocked by the ways of life. And again, God allowed that testing to happen in his life. This is not outside of the will of God. So you might be sitting here and feeling completely shattered. God is still there. And it was a time when Job almost grew impatient with God and started questioning God and what's happening in his life. And then God responded. And I think we see so many biblical um, accounts of almost this theme playing off. Even with Joshua, um, when he was confronted by the angel of the Lord, he asked him, are you for us or are you against us? The angel didn't actually respond to that question. He said, I am the commander of the armies of the Lord. And implying, basically, I don't choose the side. I am God. Are you on my side? God is inviting you into his kingdom, into his side. Um, and, and even the praise singer. So we can see there was a lot of crowds around Jesus. Right? And the miracle stopped. And the food got ate. What happened afterwards? The crowds didn't follow him. Okay, so as a praise singer, you can be part of the crowds, and that's a good place to start. But what happens when Jesus leaves? Um, when the presence of, of God came down, Moses went into the tabernacle, into his tent that he set up for the presence of God. He stayed there. Joshua, when Moses left, Joshua stayed behind. All right. We, are, we have a tendency to actually delegate our relationship with God to other people, to a preacher or to a Moses. Or, but the people who are called the friends of God are the ones that stay behind. They linger and they allow it to become awkward. They allow it to become almost like, God, are you, are you really here? Are you really coming? Am I waiting for you? Um, but the moment that God pitches up, you will know that he's there. Um, I'm going to address two key, in, two key ingredients for us to worship, to really understand what worship is. Um, the first one being humility. Now, this is on a personal level. The church as a collective cannot be humble if the individuals aren't humble. 
Okay, so you're following me there. Um, I, it seems like a stupid logic, but um, it, it stands up. So the word humility, there's two main words. The one is shafal, to make lower, set in a lower place or lower yourself. So you can even see the link there just with worship, shakha, how that is to bow down. Humility, we need to bow down. God is saying something to us here. There's a position of our hearts in our Western culture that struggles with this concept of bowing down. Uh, I don't know if Belinda did it in the morning service, but in the evening service, she laid flat on the ground. Um, when the presence of God was there, people fell to the ground. They had no other reaction. That is the natural reaction the moment that you are in the presence of the king. Something needs to shift. Um, the other word is tapaneo. Um, it also means to make low. It describes a person who's devoid of all arrogance and self-exaltation. A person who is willingly submitted to God um, and his will. Now that sounds a lot like the bond servant that Marinus was referring to. That someone that was actually freed out of slavery and then goes back to the master and says, I want to serve you for the rest of my life, willingly, not out of compulsion, not because you have a debt to repay. Um, and God is asking us, what do you have to lay down for you to come into that heart's position to say, God, I will come and serve you, not just as our Savior, but truly as our Lord, because that is the people that stay behind, people that understand that God is ultimately the King. And if you don't submit your life to Him, then his kingship and his kingdom is not for you. It's not accessible for you until you decide to serve him as savior and as Lord of your life. Um, so Jesus confronts um, our tendency of humankind to associate authority with an exercise of dominion, uh, dominance over others in Matthew 18 verse 8. It's that verse that says, Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom. So that word humble. Um, God didn't give us authority in this life to take it up and to rule and reign over other people. He's ultimately in control. Our authority and our rule and reign is still submitted to him. He says everything is under his feet. It's not under your feet. Your position in Christ, that is what centers you that allows you to flow in the Spirit, to flow in the prophetic, to use the gifts of the Spirit. If you're not fully submitted to Him and you're flowing in those gifts, who are you using it for? Are you treading on that fine line where you're starting to steal glory away from God? Because that's a dangerous place for us to be at. And again, the stuff that we're sharing today is not because we're perfect. We, we're learning. We're going through these hammer blows currently. Um, so I want to go there. Um, Exodus 37 verse 7. He said, He made two cherubim of gold. He made them of hammered metal on the two ends of the mercy seat. The mercy seat was a marvel of artistry. Can you imagine that the size of that thing to be hammered completely only out of gold? Why would you do it like that? It, there's, it, there's really easier ways to do that. Um, but ultimately... Um, there's such a pretty thing when, that happens when we actually hammer out metal. We stretch it out. We can fold it back out of itself. We can stretch it out. 
And in that process, it's getting refined. Um, and I want to ask you, where is the hammer blows in your life? Are you just going through the experience? Or are you really allowing that process of humility to cultivate something in your life that changes your character? Um, that it really allows you to come into God's presence with humility. Um, so Jesus embodied his obedience and humility through suffering and sacrifice. Um, how do we expect that to happen in our lives any other way? If Jesus was our ultimate example, there's no way that we can expect to be a refined character and worship a holy God if there's no hammer blows in our lives, if there's no suffering in our lives. We need to allow this process of humility to cultivate something in our hearts. Um, and it's not easy. We're not saying that you should just take it willy-nilly and, and just go on with your life. Um, but the cross was ultimately Jesus' ultimate worship to the Father. Um, and even in Jesus' humanity, he, he pleaded with God. He said, Father, you can let this cup pass me, please. And then God's response was, the cross is prepared already. There is only one way for us to have a living relationship with God, and that's Jesus suffering on the cross, laying down his life, worship, sacrifice. That is his ultimate sacrifice that he could give to the Father. There was nothing else that he could give. And in that process, you can see how, how Jesus really submitted to the Father's kingship in his life, saying, I don't speak anything that I don't see the Father speak or do anything that I don't see him do. Ultimate submission. Nothing left of Jesus. He was fully submitted to Father. When the Father said left, he goes left. He says right, he goes right. How is that looking in our lives? Um, Abraham responded with immediate obedience. And we always think that's a short story. He traveled for three days. I cannot imagine traveling for three days, the fights I'm going to have with God to say, God, I'm phoning my accountability partners, my prayer warriors, everyone in my life that I can personally get to pray to make sure that I heard right. Everyone. Um, and any excuse that I'm going to get, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to take. Just to say, God, are you sure you said I must go and offer my only son? This promised son, the blessing that you're going to bless all the nations in the earth through. I must give up that one, really. Um, yeah. So Isaiah 57 verse 15 says, For thus says the Lord who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. I don't know about you, but I struggle with pride a lot in my life. <laughs> um, and it's something I need to lay down constantly. Someone cuts in front of me in the road, just looks at me funny in the shop. Something that starts to rise up, right? Um, but ultimately, we have a choice. Again, like Jesus, being humiliated on a cross. I mean, can you imagine Jesus just calling it quits and saying, God, send all the angels in heaven, come and deliver me. Show them that you are God. He didn't choose that way. He chose the difficult way, the humiliating way. But in that, he led us in the example of humility, ultimately laying down everything. 
Humility is worship, and without it, we will never see the glory of God in the church. That is ultimate. Um, we are fooling ourselves if we think we're going to cultivate a glorious bride without humility in our midst. And again, it starts with us on a personal level. Um, then we get to unity. Now, unity is on a congregational level. Um, again, I can be in unity with myself, and hopefully there's some unity between me and the Trinity. Um, but uh, God calls us to unity. So Acts 2 verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost has finally come, they were all there with one accord in one place. Now that with one accord, so they were unanimous, having mutual consent, one mind and purpose. And the use of this word denotes a harmony leading to action. That is what we want for this church. Not just this congregation, but the bride. Right? God is, Jesus is coming back. We can be sure of that. He's coming back for a glorious bride without spot and blemish. That's why we need to sacrifice our own lives. We need to walk in humility. And then congregationally, we need to be in unity. Um, so post that scripture, we obviously all know what happened, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, so if we can just take a quick step back and realize how the devil gets to destroy unity in our midst, but we also sometimes give too much credit to him. Okay, we all know we, when we were at school, everyone's clapping in the assembly hall, and you have that one or two groups of friends, and they start just clapping offbeat. And after a while, you just realize it's a complete mess. You don't need everyone to not follow. There's one or two people that just causes a slight disruption. And the, the devil just comes in and he, he just asks a simple question. He's like, did God really say? That was enough for Eve to start questioning God's character. Jesus, the devil didn't continue to argue with her, trying to convince her or fighting with Eve. It's just, did God really say? That was enough to break unity. That is enough to break unity when we come to worship our King. In your households, that is enough to break the environment where worship can flourish. The unity between a husband and a wife. I can see it in my own life. The moment I don't spend time in God's presence and allow Him to cut down the sharp corners, I get irritated with my wife. I get frustrated with my kids. I stop serving them the way I should. Just because of maybe a small disagreement we had over something stupid. At what time are we going? Or we're running late. That's enough to create this unity in a marriage very quickly. Um, so for us congregationally, um, let's look at another example, the gift of tongues in the church, right? How that is being used to destroy that gift in the church completely. And we're not talking about absolute truth here. There is, the Bible is the absolute truth. That is where it starts and stops for us. But ultimately, we need to understand how much division that can create. Um, this morning in prayer, we're just dwelling on 1 Corinthians 13 where, the God, where God says, listen, you can, you can speak in tongues, you can prophesy without love. It's a clanging symbol. It doesn't mean anything. Okay, so 
I think that is just a, a call for us to really understand um, that in this place of worship, there's a lot of, that we can do to destroy worship. Um, I want to challenge you with a question that God asked me in preparation for this is, how is your preparation coming into church to come and worship? We're not talking now throughout the week, but coming here congregationally where unity can flourish. Are you really preparing your heart to come and sacrifice to a king? Submitting in humi uh, um, humility um, and then not being a disruptor of unity in the space. Just, just in my spirit. Not accusing anyone to say, listen, if, if you're out of line, you're going to take away the presence from everyone else. I don't think God is like that. But I also understand that God is raising the standard for us as a church, guys. It is time for us to really be serious about the things of God. Because the times that he prophesied about, that's going to let a lot of people go astray and stop start renouncing God as their Lord and Savior, those times are upon us. It's coming. We don't know how long it's going to be, but we can see how the pressure, even in a, in a country where religion is quite free, like South Africa, you are being attacked as a Christian. Your standards are under attack. Um, so I want to go to, to the last scripture, Psalm 133. It says, um, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Um, so I didn't choose the scripture because I have a beard. It's really... Um, the way that God does anointing is not the way that we do it. We, we dab quickly. We're like, okay, you anointed, we pray for you. And we believe there's power in it. But when God anointed, he poured out. Okay? When David was anointed as king, he was poured over. It literally ran from his head down his body, pulling at his feet, like it says here. Um... And that is ultimately what we're looking for. We want the anointing of God to be upon us. But I want to take it back. Why do we want unity? Unity is pleasing to God. Okay. And that is where he commands his blessing. And ultimately unity is not for us. It is for everyone out there that doesn't know God yet. Because ultimately God shows his body, the church, him being the head Okay, so Aaron here represents the high priest. Jesus is our high priest. He's the head of the church, the head of the body. And when God comes and he pours his anointing over Jesus, flowing into the body, that will be glorious. That is something that gives glory to God. But again, the prerequisite for us to really serve God in that place of unity is sacrifice. And for that, we need humility. Otherwise, we're never going to get to this place. So, I just want to ask the Lord to come and wrap this up for us, and then I'm going to hand back to, to Marinas. So, Lord, we just honor you, Lord, for the message today, and thank you that you're talking to us loud and clear, Lord. You're saying that 
It is time for the true worshipers to rise up, those who will come and worship in spirit and in truth. And Lord, the truth that you share with us through the word today, Lord, I pray that we will really engage with it, go into our, our inner rooms, Lord, and really ask you, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me on an individual level? Because, Lord, we cannot expect the church to be a glorious bride that will pull people to her um, to point back to our head, Jesus, that represented to us the perfect sacrifice, the sacrificial lamb without blot and blemish, blemish, Lord, that was sacrificed for our sins. He took our place, Lord. Lord, I pray that you will come and cultivate this true environment for worship to flourish, Lord. Because ultimately, it's not about us and what we can get, but what we can lay down, Lord, so that ultimately you get all the glory. Amen. And so how, how we worship a king, if I tagged him with JP correctly, it is that humility moment of being alone with him uh, and our character being built and formed with him. But then the outflow of that in unity doesn't just look like that when you agree with me in church. doesn't work like that. It's in agreement with the king. When a king came into a room... It doesn't matter what, what rank you were. Your face is on the floor. No one was wondering, oh, I'm laying right next to the captain of the army of the king. Oh, that's the cook. I had some lunch with him the other day. Brilliant, brilliant dinner. Thank you so much. There's no thought of that. The only thought is how low can you go? How close can your face be to the ground? Because the fear of the king looking up and you looking at him was immediate death in respect. I am challenging our respect to the king in our manner of approaching, the way that we work with each other, the way that you work with me as a pastor of this church. The way that you work with someone that's lower than me, or the, in the world's eyes lower, a connect group leader, or an LG, or when there's communication. I'm not, I'm not saying that if those things are in order, that's worship. No, it's part of it. It encompasses everything that we are. It's not just one or two, it's everything. For us to move forward in worship with God, you need to be fully Humbled by him. It's an interesting thing to say, isn't it? Why? Because Jesus was led into the desert by the Holy Spirit to be tasted by the devil. I believe in my heart we have become pansies in the spirit. Oh, we moan so easily. I'm so uncomfortable, Pastor. This thing happened. I'm so, I'm so, I'm. I'm just not, is God still with me? Because my bank account isn't where it was last year. I'm, I'm pushing towards a place where our worship is fully focused on who he is 
what his plans are before it is who we are and what he has for us in store. I've seen worship changed. From I come from a Dutch Reformed background. I've seen worship change where, where hats were taken off and, and the authority was given to God even in worship or in song in such a respectful way that you weren't allowed to make a peep outside of the words you needed to know off by heart. It was weird. But there's something that I miss around that where the God and the creator of heaven and earth is here and we do other things. We look on our phone, we're busy in our heads, and it's almost like the fear of the Lord has exited that moment. I wouldn't even call it worship. I've heard, um, I don't know if you know Louis Britz, the worship leader. Uh, when I was a young uh, uh, student at school, there was a, 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 a CD that he made. It was like the first Afrikaans and English worship album that I've ever known like that in South Africa. It was called Cook for the Koning. Um, cook for the king. No, it was, it was being on fire for the king. That was the, the city's name. And whew, there was a reverence of God in that album. And he was interviewed by Rian, who was just still recently on, on Jacaranda, that Rian. And he was interviewed with his wife about a difficult thing that they went through uh, personally. And Rian uh, asked the question um, to Louis. Um, he said, you're that singer, the one that does the Christian karaoke at churches. And because he, the world doesn't know what we do when we come together. There's words on it. Now we're singing together. They don't know what on earth is going on. If you're not focused in your relationship with Jesus and not in unity with the church, they will be confused. Does it make sense? They would be wondering if it's not karaoke. Because that Rian was standing at a church once, singing together with someone, and there was no unity. And there was no humility. And that you have to sort out with God. I am tired of facing things in our church, in our movement in Christianity, where I am constantly changing diapers in the spirit. You have to grow up. You have to come to a place where the, the, the spiritual milk has changed into spiritual solid food for you. You need to grow up. It's not about me. It's actually not about you. When the king comes in, we lay down face down. We are quiet. We worship him. And so, I didn't want to be angry with you. I can't do it in another language. I tried. Um, but I do want to tell you that if you, we can't be, um, we can't be ignorant um, and be, f be followers of the, wor of the world. Um, I wish we could, when we clapped hands, wish we could have a picture of God, I know why they did like a Jesus on the cross thing in churches. It was for people to not lose focus. I mean, uh, we don't have that right here. 
I don't want you to lose focus in worship, but I don't want you to clap for people either. It's not like when we clap. Belinda took us in the clap last week. Did you hear that? We were clapping to God, and it was like, it was, it was a, um, we're giving us an ovation clap. But there's something of it that even if we do it, and there's no humility and no unity, it's just noise. And this morning when I got up, preparation for today, um, I shared with the prayer guys, and I want you to go there, it's not on the screen, but I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians uh, please, we're going to read that out loud, and then I'm going to end off. It says this in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I am a noisy gong, or a clanging symbol. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I, I have all faith, what is the one thing that for you and me will, that God will receive is? What is he impressed with? Faith. He says, even if I have a lot of that, which impresses God, but I have no love. And as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, kind, does not envy and boast. It does not, it's not arrogant or rude. Last night, we took our kids um, to mainland. We don't do that often. Uh, just because Bashan had some friends over and actually family of his nephews uh, were staying with us. And we went to play some games, which he never actually do. And at the end, Noah was tucking on me going, he's got prizes because if you play a game, they give you something. There's a toy that the kids can choose afterwards. We go there and there's this line. And some of you know me. I can, I can shoot out of the hip with anything. But I cannot shoot out of the hip when there's a row and someone is pushing in from the side. And if you thought your pastor was holy, I had the most unholy moment last night at that playground area at Mainland. <clears throat> and I will tell you how it happened. So we were bunched up, and there were like three people helping, and they're like sort of three groups. And then the one person of the three fell away, and at the end when I was looking, there was only one person but everyone bundled, and I was already standing there for quite a while with all the kids around me. Catherine was getting something else. I don't know where she was. Um, and I had some of them with the cards. And, and in that moment, someone came in from the side. They took their card, they slapped, and they started speaking to the other person. And she was helping her. And I said, not on my watch today. You will not do that. And for all the other things I was buffering in this year, for all the other things that I pushed back and prayed, and with humility, and with patience, and with all of this, that is the moment, that is the thing that cracked me. It wasn't the demonic activity in our church, or the, or the, uh, the people getting sick, or people leaving, or... Are we sending them away? It wasn't that that cracked me. 
it was at a gaming center where when I saw what I fought for, when Noah received the gift, I went, why did I lose it like that? For that. But let me tell you how well I lost it last night. You think I'm joking. I lost it in such a way. I went to that woman. Are you happy now? Did you receive what you wanted to receive? I went. The, you know it's written. You know what I'm doing here. I said, those who will be last shall be first, and those who will be first shall be last. But everyone here, there was a Christian guy standing next to me. He was an Indian guy. He started chuckling. And then, then when someone laughs, when I'm being serious, I laugh. So then when I'm finished there, oh goodness, then when I was finished there, the girl behind the counter said, um, are you happy now? <laughs> because everyone was standing in a straight row. There were like 27 people. There wasn't three groups anymore. There was one solid line because I lost it at a gaming center in mainland. Thank you. It wasn't worth it. But the humility factor, and then we saw Bianca and Diewald afterwards, and I felt really bad. I don't know what happened there. They could see it in my face. I don't know. But ultimately, these things, when I read it, is that you're, this leader and this pastor, it's not an adhering. It's a growing in humility and in unity. And I want to thank you for, for presenting it in such a great special way. It was really good. So it says, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy or boast, it's not arrogant or rude, it does not insist on its own way, it's not irritable or resentful, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Do you know we will not be speaking in tongues in heaven? Do you know there will be no prophetic word given in heaven? It will be taken away when Jesus comes again. Why? This is not, not necessary. We're going to know all of him. Now I only know partly. I only prophesy partly. But then I will see everything. I will know everything. So that lady behind the counter, I wanna, I'm going to come. Sorry. I'm sorry. And she took my hand and we, and we laughed. And we're like, she's feeling better. I'm, I'm feeling better, but it wasn't right. And everyone laughed. So the guys at the back were, someone tapped me on the shoulder. They saw I had a tough year. And in that moment, I actually know how to be humble. And I just went, sorry. I went to the lady, sorry. But she said nothing, because I'm still right, aren't I? No. Our arrogance and ignorance and ooh, is, it can flame up in any moment. And you and I are called to be humble before the king when he comes in. And we need to be in unity when we're together. Those are the things we're called to. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that we can know that you're a good God. You give us things before we even um, know we need them. And then we moan about what we don't have with you. When we look at others, we compare ourselves. And thank you, Father, that we know that you are here, that you are in forgiveness, but you're also in obedience. Your word says, obedience above sacrifice. Listen to me before you say sorry. Don't say sorry, just be obedient. And Lord, I pray that you will pull us forward with you in unity and humility to the point of obedience to your scripture 
And to all of it, in the name of Jesus, I pray. I pray, Father God, that today we will walk out of here with the knowledge that you were here and you spoke to us through your word. And we will take it as that. I bless everyone here with protection. I bless us with the knowledge of knowing you more, Father God, but also the momentum of worship. I pray that we will go home and we will buy our time to spend with you. In the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.